Um, and we get to be blessed this week with our very own Graham McKeague is going to share the word with us. So why don't you welcome him with me? Thanks, Adam. So uh, Jill and I have been gone this last week, and I guess it snowed when we were gone. I don't know if you noticed, but it snowed. So we noticed last night. We got in. So uh, Adam was very glad that um, Jill and I made it back because he would have had to preach this morning if we hadn't made it back into town. So got a text message this morning. It was all good. We organized it. Well, um, man, the words of that last song are just so amazing that it is finished. He has done it. And I just love singing that song. It is just so great. And uh Wow, it just puts us in such a place of declaring who Christ is and uh, what he's done for us. And I just love that. And uh, I just want to pray right as we start. Um, this morning I'm going to be talking about the prophetic and talking about prophecy. And um, some of you know what that's about and some of you don't. And so it's kind of like just an informational, this is what the prophetic is. And I just want to bring us through like the biblical background for what the prophetic is and what prophecy is. Because, you know, we're kind of at the start of the year. We're, we're in January still. And uh, it's a good time to kind of think together as a church, you know, about what we stand for as a church, what we value as a church. And one of the main things that we stand for as New Day is, is to really develop and to, and to really proclaim prophetically and to grow in the prophetic. So um, some of you know what that's about and some of you don't. Maybe you're new to the church. So I just wanted to kind of give us a background for that. So let's just pray together real quick and, and then we'll jump in. Father, we just thank you because you are speaking to us today. And God, we love that about you, that you are a God who speaks, and you are a God who loves to talk to us and to communicate to us, God. And uh, we want to receive from you, God. We want to receive from you and to be in relationship with you and to hear from you, God. So I pray that you'd speak this morning, Father, to each one of us about what you're doing prophetically today and what you've done in the past, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, like I've said, our church is a church that would call itself prophetic. And I don't know if, if that you know, sounds familiar to you. It will sound familiar to, to those of you who've been a part of this church for a while. Some of you who maybe haven't been here for that long or uh, might not be familiar with what the term prophetic means. And uh, I want to use um, six examples of people who were called prophets in the Old Testament and it's going to be the foundation for kind of understanding what the prophetic is. And it's maybe a slightly unusual approach because often when we think of prophetic, we just will jump right into the New Testament and think about, um, you know, what does Paul have to say about the office of prophet? You know, it's one of the five offices in the New Testament Paul talks about. And didn't Paul talk about prophecy a lot in First Corinthians? You know, wasn't there a chapter in there about the gifts of the Spirit and prophecy and being prophetic is one of those gifts? Well... Those are great places, and ultimately we'll get to them this morning. But I want to show you that it goes a lot deeper than that throughout the Bible, and that prophecy and being prophetic goes right back to the beginning of God's plan for us to be in this faith relationship with him. Um, who, who remembers Dan Slade being here last year? He preached on the four winds of revival. Does that sound familiar? Remember that? Well, Dan Slade is one of the, the international kind of coordinators for Partners in Harvest, now, Partners in Harvest is the, is the association of churches that we're a part of. And um, our senior pastor, Cameron, is actually up doing a Partners in Harvest training event um, this week. Well, I remember hearing uh, Dan speak on a, on a different occasion than when he was here last year. But he said that um, Partners in Harvest, of which this church is, is a part, he said it's a prophetic movement. 
It's a prophetic movement. It's a prophetic church movement. And so it's not just New Day as one individual church that wants to move in, in the prophetic and in prophecy. We're part of a greater organization of churches, a network of churches that around the world is striving to really be prophetic churches. And so it's good to know that, that we're not by ourselves in, in really going for these things in the prophetic. And we're not by ourselves in trying to understand what God's doing in the prophetic. Does that make sense? So, you know, right from, right from those who are setting strategy and vision for our church and for other churches around the world, we are a prophetic church. Um, just, a, just a little bit of background before we turn to the first example of a prophet. In the Hebrew Bible, which is our Old Testament as we have it, how many books are in the Old Testament? Quite a few. It is 39. 39. Minus 27. But do you know in the original, it was in three sections. It wasn't put into all these different books for us. Does anybody know what the three sections were? If you were a Jew reading the Old Testament. The Torah, that's a good one. The Law, or as it was known, the first five books. Anybody else? What were the other two sections? We have the Law. No. The Prophets. Very good. Kathy's got another one on the front. We have the Law and the Prophets. The Wisdom Writings is part of this last group, but it's not it. Anybody? It's actually kind of tricky. It's just called the writings because it kind of just gathers everything else in. I'm just seeing if anybody knew. <laughs> so you get the law, the prophets, and the writings. But listen to that. The prophets was one huge section of what, what the Israelite people considered to be their Bible. The law, the prophets, and the writings. Okay, in the prophets section, there were the former prophets and there were the latter prophets. And the former prophets was anybody who was kind of prophetic from the books of Joshua through to the end of 2 Kings. And then the latter prophets were those like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. And then they had a book that was called the Book of the Twelve. Um, the Book of the Twelve is what we understand as the minor prophets. And we've taken that one book that was probably all twelve together, and we've divided them all up so they're easier to follow. The main distinction between the former prophets and the latter prophets for Israel is that the latter prophets actually wrote their own prophecies, whereas in the former prophets they were just written about. So an example of a former prophet would be uh, Elijah, and he didn't actually write his own account. It was written about him by uh, later historians. And also what you see in the former prophets is kind of like the development of how prophecy is going to operate, how it's going to kind of be part of the life of Israel, and um, that's what we're going to look at. The word for um, for prophet in Hebrew is Navi, and uh, it actually means uh, to bubble over. So it's the idea of like a pot is boiling and it's bubbling. It's like that bubbling up and that boiling over. And actually, it's interesting because that doesn't that root doesn't come from Hebrew itself. It comes from um, Hebrew, a language very similar to Hebrew, um, an ancient Babylonian language, and so um, that points to another thing, which is really interesting, is that it wasn't just in Israel that the prophetic existed. If you were a Babylonian, uh, you know, living a contemporary of the Israelites, you would have understood what a prophet was. You would have understood that because um, whatever God that you followed would have had a prophet speaking for him on his behalf, no matter what kind of culture you were in. 
And so part of the development of the prophetic in Israel is God taking what was part of the culture of the day and using it for his glory and really defining it and sharpening it. So that's kind of interesting because we might think, oh, just prophecy and the prophetic was just part of Israel. But think about other religions will have people that speak on behalf of their God. You know, and what we're doing is operating in the truth and saying this is something that, you know, is part of the Christian faith in its truest sense. You know, other religions kind of have like an imitation of the prophetic where they have people that will speak on their God's behalf. But what we want to do is understand what God really intended when it comes to the prophetic. All right, so we're going to turn to the first one. Who was the first prophet in the Old Testament? Who was the first person that the label was given to? Any any guesses? Moses? Not quite, but we will get to Moses. Abraham is the right answer. Good job. Does anybody know why Abraham was called a prophet? What was the situation? Well, it's found in Genesis 20, and it's kind of an interesting story as to why Abraham would suddenly be called a prophet. You might remember, but Abraham um, came before the king, a foreign king called Abimelech, and he pretended that his wife, Sarah, was his sister. Anybody remember that story? Does that sound familiar? It's kind of funny. He did it twice, actually, but this is one occasion that he did it. And so he comes in, and... um, the Bible says that Sarah was an attractive woman, and as it was custom in that day, the king of Abimelech had the right to take Sarah as his wife. So he takes Sarah and he brings her, you know, to his palace. And um, and you know, the Bible says that you know God protected Sarah when she was in that household. But what happened is the household of Abimelech suddenly was going through a difficult time, and God revealed to Abimelech and said to him, actually in a dream, He said, "I know that you didn't know." who Sarah really was, and I've protected both of you. He's like, I didn't let you touch her. So God is working in this situation. So Abraham has has kind of done something wrong. Obviously, he's lied about who Sarah is. This foreign king has taken Abraham's wife, but God has spared both of them. And what does God say to Abimelech, this foreign king, in verse 7 of uh, Genesis 20? He said, Restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And he will pray for you, and you shall live. If you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. Wow, so the first time we hear this word prophet is actually given in a dream to a foreign king about Abraham. Isn't that really interesting? It's kind of a strange tale that God would first introduce this concept of a prophet. And what is the key thing that we learn about being prophetic? from this story because remember we're trying to understand what is it to be a prophet what is it to be prophetic the first thing is intercession Abraham was to intercede Abraham was to pray for restoration and you know anytime we operate in the prophetic we're interceding we're putting ourselves in a place of receiving from God on behalf of somebody else or we're bringing a word for somebody on behalf of God and you might not think when you're prophesying, if you've ever you know, prophesied for somebody, you might not think, I'm actively interceding for this person. Because often we think of, you know, I have to know what they, what they need. I have to know. I have to pray. But really, you are operating in this intercessory capacity. You are operating in this place of intercession where you're putting yourself in this place where you're saying, I have something 
for you from God. Does that make sense? That's the first story. Abraham is a prophet. And the key thing for us to learn is he interceded. There's an element of intercession as we enter into the prophetic. Number two, we turn to Moses. And we turn to Moses and Aaron together. In Exodus chapter 7, God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh. And um, God uses this really interesting phrase because he says to Moses that you will be like God to Pharaoh. You will be like God to Pharaoh. And that's really interesting that when, when um, Moses was to come before Pharaoh, Pharaoh would see Moses as if he was God. And then what does he say right after that? He said, Aaron will be your prophet. Really? Now, why did God do this? Well, Pharaoh would have been really familiar, like I said earlier, with this custom that was familiar in the, in the time in different cultures of having somebody represent God and somebody else being a prophet who would speak on behalf of that God. Now, in Egyptian thinking, the Pharaoh himself was a descendant of the sun god. So he would have had no problem seeing Moses as a god because he believed that he was God. Does that make sense? So Pharaoh believes... I'm God in human sense. So to have this other human in front of me saying he's God, that made perfect sense in his worldview. But they just were representing two different gods. And that also worked for him because in that time they believed that um, each different country had a different God. So the God of Israel had sent Moses as his human representative. And just as he represented the Egyptian God in human flesh. It's so interesting. But Aaron was his prophet. And what's the key that we learn from this? Is Aaron was the one who would go in and throw his you know, staff on the ground and it would become a snake. And he would do all of these things to demonstrate God's power. The key is that a prophet is God's spokesperson. A prophet is God's spokesperson. And so in the arrangement that God had set up with Moses and Aaron, Aaron would come in and speak on Moses' behalf. And the prophet and the prophetic was bringing a word on God's behalf. Okay, you might say, wow, that's pretty basic, you know. Isn't that, isn't that obviously what the prophetic is about? Yeah, for some of us it's really basic. We understand and we get that concept that the prophetic is speaking on God's behalf. But I want to show you that it goes right through all of Scripture, right back to the earth. We're in Exodus 7 right now. I don't know if you've ever thought about Exodus 7, being able to help you understand the prophetic. But God is serious about understanding, showing us what the prophetic is about right from the earliest times. In Exodus 15, we have the account of the Israelites being led through the Red Sea. It's the story of the Exodus. It's one of the most famous stories in the Old Testament. And uh, right after the deliverance, we see that Miriam, who is called a prophetess, leads a prophetic song. So we have the first prophetic, spontaneous song of worship recorded in Scripture in Exodus 15, verses 20 and 21. She leads a prophetic song of worship. And we see that um, the prophetic and worship go hand in hand. So that's the key, uh, number three, is prophetic and worship go hand in hand. Do you know that um, this morning as we worshipped, we also prophesied? And do you know that all of worship is prophetic? I don't know if you've thought about that before. We have a category that we talk about with the worship team called prophetic worship. But really it should be better called spontaneous worship. And really prophetic worship is just the label that somebody gave it and it's kind of stuck. But really all of worship is prophetic. 
because there's two elements to the prophetic, and it's really important to understand that there's a distinction. Number one, the prophetic is foretelling. It's what's going to happen in the future, what God is going to do. And I think we're familiar with that. And often we think about when we think of the prophetic, we think God's going to tell me what lies ahead for me. You know, if I want a prophetic word, what's God got in store? You know, and that's great. And there's a place for that. But prophecy is also just foretelling and forthtelling. Prophecy is also forthtelling. And what does that mean? It's describing both what God has done and what he is like. And so the difference is there's nothing about the future in that, in that prophecy. It's just reaffirming who God is and what he's like. And so there's those two types of prophecy. And it's really important to remember both that there's foretelling what God is going to do, but there's also foretelling who he is and what he's done. And the type of prophecy we did this morning in worship is that second one of foretelling. We just declared who God is, and we did it as a group of, of believers together. And that is as much prophecy as telling the future about what God wants to do. Does that make sense? And all through Scripture, you see both of those. God will tell what has happened, but often he'll also tell what's going to happen. And there's a mixture of both. And when the prophets come to bring a word in the Old Testament, they say, this is who God is. And by the way, he's also going to do this thing because of who he is. So they might mix both types in, in the one saying or the one sentence or the one story. But there's those two types. And uh, let's look at number four, which is, again involves Moses and Aaron and Miriam. And uh, these, these accounts are really, really interesting. In Numbers 11 and Numbers 12, in Numbers 11, you have this story where the people of Israel, they're in the wilderness. They've been brought out of slavery in Egypt, a really, really just brutal time of slavery in Egypt. And they've been led, and they're wandering in the wilderness, and they're following God's guidance. And uh, basically, the people start to complain. And God's been feeding them with manna every day. You know, and we're familiar with that. You know, God fed them with manna, and they collected the manna, and they ate it every day. Well, at some point along the road, they decide that manna is just so boring. And they're just like, wow, more manna. And what they start to think about is, oh, do you remember in Egypt when we had melons and garlic? And they just list off. And it's like, it's right, it's right in there. Like they list off like these five or six foods that they really are craving. You know, it's like on a mission trip when like you really crave something that you can only get in America, you know. I don't know if you've had that. I remember we were in like Mozambique one time and uh, we had to go and like shop at the local supermarket. And this one girl on our team, she's like, oh, we should just get something that's really easy, like macaroni and cheese. And we were just like, good luck finding macaroni and cheese in the Mozambique supermarket. <laughs> you know, they barely had anything. So to her, that was like something that's really like quick and easy and they must have it. It's a staple food source. But for somebody in Mozambique, really like fresh corn is probably the only thing that they have. So it was pretty funny. So we let her wander around to try to find it while we got the real food. So <laughs> it's a cultural learning experience. No macaroni and cheese. Wow. I'm shocked. <laughs> so they were craving all of this food that they couldn't have. And they literally were saying, we would like to go back to slavery so that we can eat cucumbers and garlic. Really? 
So God's done this amazing, one of the most amazing deliverance, dramatic things ever in history that's recorded. He's brought you out of slavery dramatically, and you would give that all up because you really want to eat some nicer food. Okay, I'm sure there's a separate sermon in there somewhere, but we're going to move on because Moses was like, okay, God, if that's what these people have come to, if that's where you've brought us, he's like, I can't take it anymore. He literally was like, I am not, he's like, we're done. You know, he's like arguing with God, they're negotiating a new contract. He's like, I am done. He's like, I am not leading these people one more step if we've got to the point where all they can think about is food and complaining. He's like, He's like, I didn't, you know, bring these people into the world. I didn't, you know, and he just, Moses starts complaining to God. So Moses is a little burned out. So God says, okay. He's like, I'll, he's like, gather the 70 elders. He's like, and bring them and we'll all, he's like, we'll meet, we'll meet tomorrow. He's like, get ready. He's like, consecrate yourself tomorrow. I'll answer. And God comes and he says, you want meat? He's like, you'll get meat. He's like, you'll have so much meat for a whole month. You'll be sick of it. The Bible says it will be coming out your nostrils. God answers prayer, I guess. I don't know. He said, he said, gather the 70 elders. And what happened? God took some of that spirit that was on Moses and gave it to the elders. And what was the sign to the people that they'd received the same spirit that was on Moses? They started prophesying. And what's really interesting is there was two of the 70 that didn't go to the special meeting for whatever reason. They were kind of back at the camp. And what happened to them? They prophesied as well. And this young boy from the camp comes and he says, these two guys are prophesying. He's like, what's going on? You know, comes to Moses. And he's like, that's great. And then Joshua who, had, it says, has been trained as a young boy as Moses' assistant. Joshua's like, Moses, make everybody stop prophesying. He's like, they're all prophesying. And Joshua, Joshua was really worried that Moses was kind of losing out, that Moses wasn't looking as great because all these other people were prophesying, like Moses could prophesy. And Moses is like, I wish that everybody prophesied. He's like, I wish that everybody prophesied. Not, so a story again of the prophetic being released Right after, the very next chapter, Aaron and Miriam, so Moses' own flesh and blood, they start grumbling. And they start saying, why does, why does Moses get all the attention? Why does, why does Moses seem to really be favored? Is really what they were saying. And they really start complaining. And they really start grumbling. And um, the problem was it wasn't just... Moses, he heard them complaining. God heard them complaining too. And he's like, okay. He's like, I have an answer for you. So he said, why don't the three of you come and meet with me? Uh-oh. In fact, in verse 2 of Numbers uh, 12, uh, they say, Has the Lord indeed only spoken through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So they came out. The Lord came down in the pillar of cloud, stood in the door of the tabernacle. He called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. He said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. But not so with my servant Moses. 
He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, not in dark sayings. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Wow. God draws a radical distinction between how he speaks to them and how he speaks to Moses. God spoke to Moses face to face. And you know, there's that thing where Moses' face was, had the glory of God and he had to veil his face. God spoke to Moses face to face. And what's the key from this, from this situation is the method of receiving revelation from God. In the prophetic, you receive from God a certain way. And Moses received from God face to face and clearly. And Moses, this is one big reason why Moses is set up as the example of what it is to be prophetic, certainly in the Old Testament, if not in the whole of Scripture. He heard directly from God face to face. And he didn't hear God in dreams and visions and dark sayings and riddles. Now God uses those things and continued to use those and does today. But Moses is held up as this example, wow, face to face. And it's not to say the other things aren't good. But God, when he chooses, can speak face to face. And when you think about it, back to when Jesus talked with the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, they couldn't understand how Jesus could be better than Moses because Moses heard face to face. They couldn't understand why when Jesus said, God is my father. They're like, well, you're saying that you're even closer to God than Moses. How could that be? Because, you know, Moses got to see God and he got to hear from God plainly face to face. And Jesus said, yep, yeah, I'm greater than Moses. So that's one to think about. Uh, number five um, is Deuteronomy 13. And basically, um, God just issues a warning against false prophets and says, there will be false prophets that come and they'll try to tempt you away from the truth. And he said, and God gave them a standard by which they would know how to discern between a false prophecy and a real prophecy, which is something, again, today that we need to be able to distinguish between. And you see this carries on into the New Testament also. And basically the key from this passage is that false prophets will speak against revealed truth. So if God has already revealed himself in a certain way, and a prophet comes along and speaks against that certain way, that God has revealed himself, then you know that it's a false word. So for us today, we always say as a guideline in the prophetic, if you receive a word and it goes against what we see about God in Scripture or something that God has revealed himself to be in Scripture, then you can discard that word because you know that it's not from him. And the same was true in Old Testament times. God had given the law to Moses. And there's any, you know that, that example is from... Uh, Deuteronomy 13, as a prophet had come in and said, uh, we don't need to follow God how he's been revealed in the law. We should do this other thing. And they said, you know, that's not right because God has revealed himself categorically in the law. So we know that what you're saying isn't right because you're going against the law. It's the same for us as a guideline to be familiar with scripture so that when we receive a prophetic word, we know what God is like when he speaks and that we know what we're receiving is true or false. And the number six is a prophet like Moses, that Moses, and like I just said, Moses is a model for what it is to be prophetic, that face-to-face, clear saying so that he would receive from God. Nothing mysterious and nothing that could be misinterpreted, but God really just spoke clearly. And that's just 
like such a benchmark, you know, for us to look at. Like, wow, God speaks face to face. He speaks clearly. So you see a development in the prophetic in the Old Testament. You know, before Moses, you had Abraham, and he showed us about intercession. Then you have Moses and those various incidents. It teaches us that God, God speaks clearly. God can speak face to face. That as a prophet, you're a spokesperson for God. Remember, Aaron was Moses' spokesperson. In the same way, the prophets in the Old Testament, they were spokespersons on God's behalf. And after Moses, it's, it's really interesting because the prophetic became more of an institution. And actually, schools of prophecy began to rise up in Israel. Right around the time you know, of Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, it was a transition period. And different schools of the prophets, for example, in Bethel, Jericho, and Gilgal, were formed. And then later you have the classical prophets, who are the ones that we are really familiar with, Isaiah and Jeremiah, for example. David also had court prophets, and this was also something that Israel borrowed from different cultures, where a king would have a prophet. And in a case of uh, you know, a decision, especially this would happen when it was a big decision to be made, he would ask his advisors their advice, but then he would call in the court prophet, and he would say, I need your opinion. What is God saying on this matter? And uh, that brings up another thing for us, another principle for us, that it's okay to get, and it's good to get prophetic insight and counsel whenever you're making decisions. It's good to get other advice too, but remember to seek God and see what is God saying to get some prophetic insight. And that's an Old Testament principle in leadership as well. You know, David would call upon, um, he would call upon uh, Nathan the prophet. And Nathan was able to come in and speak. What is God saying? And sometimes that was a word of correction. You know, Nathan famously said, you are the man, you know, and called out his sin. You know, and often, that's a very unusual example because often the court prophets didn't speak against the king or the monarchy. Often the court prophets were the ones who were like the yes men. They would say, oh yes, great king. You know, you're doing what's right. You know, and often it was the other prophets who weren't in the court who would come and say, actually, I've got a word of correction from the Lord. So prophets were raised up by God to address the nation in difficult days. And they sometimes addressed the nation's future, but they essentially were the mouthpiece of God. And that's a really important key, is just they were God's mouthpiece. They brought God's word into different situations. And your prophecy has always been a reminder, and it still is a reminder for us today that God is speaking, that he's speaking directly to his people. And I think that's one of the great things about the prophetic. I didn't grow up in a church that knew anything about the prophetic. If we heard a sermon on prophecy, it was always from Revelation at the church I grew up in. And it was always about stuff that was happening, about Armageddon and wars in the future and rumors of wars and things like that. And so for me, one of the most refreshing things about the prophetic is realizing that God speaks today. You know, God is still speaking and he's still speaking directly. I mean, many of us in this room have had an, an instance where God has spoken prophetically through people that didn't know us. And it's just blown us away because it's like, wow, not only does God know me, but he knows the exact situation that I'm in. And Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians, where he talks about 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, that prophecy is for strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. And how many of us have had that experience in this church where the prophetic has come in and it's been a strength to us, it's been an encouragement to us, 
you know, and it's been something which has really comforted us and encouraged us. And that is the prophetic. And that's why we love the prophetic so much in this church, because it comes and it helps us to be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. But later on in that chapter, Paul's talking about corporate worship in 1 Corinthians 14. He's talking about when that church comes together to meet. But he also brings in a different element to what the prophetic does. He says, if an unbeliever comes in and you're prophesying, they will be convicted of their sin and they will repent and give glory to God. They'll come in and they'll see that God is among you and they will be convicted of their sin. Isn't that amazing that the prophetic can do that? And that's another reason for us to really think about, you know, how can I be prophetic? How can I live a prophetic life so that others come in and they see that God is speaking amongst us? You know, the church is, is a prophetic institution. The church is a prophetic thing because it speaks out who God is. It speaks out who God is. And that brings us right back around to the, the two elements of, of the prophetic, the forth-telling and the foretelling. You know, you might think, how does this message apply to me? I've never considered myself prophetic. I'm not on the prophetic team. I've never wanted to be on the prophetic team. And I would just challenge you this morning to think about, you know, approach Sarah and Seth and say, hey, I don't really know too much about how this works in, in practice, but I'm interested in the prophetic. I'd like to know. You know, there's ways that we can train you to hear God's voice and to operate prophetically, and it's a lot easier than you would imagine because we really believe as a church that God wants to speak to each one of us, but also that he wants to use each one of us to speak to other people. And that's the prophetic, speaking God to other people, speaking about who God is to other people. Even if you don't think, oh, I'm not a prophetic person, I've never prophesied, I've never told anyone a word, that doesn't matter. Because there's that element of forthtelling, of saying, this is who God is. And whether you like it or not, you're called to be prophetic because you're called to say who God is and what he's done in your life. And that was the whole thing about Israel being formed as a, as a people. They were to be a light to the other nations of what it was like when the true God took a group of people and put them in relationship with himself, what it would look like for the world. It's the same with the church. We're a group of people that God has brought together to show to others what it's like to have real relationship with the true God. And it's the same for you individually, that you're called to show other people what it's like to be in relationship with the true God. Does that make sense? It goes right down. As a group of people, we want to be prophetic, but as individuals too. So as you meet people in just everyday life throughout the week, you know, you don't have to have like a word that's like, you're going to go to China and be a missionary, you know? Hey, if you get that, it's great. But it's also on the level of, hey, guess what God did for me this week? That's being prophetic. Guess what? This is what God is like. Did you know the Bible says that God is this, this, or this? You're being prophetic because you're forth-telling. You're saying this is what God is like. And so the challenge for us today as a church and as individuals is let's really consider growing in the prophetic as we understand that we're the mouthpiece for God to others as we receive from God, whether it's in dreams or visions or however it is, as we fulfill this role of interceding for other people, let's consider how we can become more and more prophetic. Let's consider how we can both bring this foretelling of who God is and also a foretelling of what he will do in the future. And so whether you're on the prophetic team already or you're thinking about it or 
you are just like, wow, prophetic team is too scary by far. There's no way I could do it. Still consider yourself to be prophetic in the sense that you're to call forth what God has done and what he is doing and to tell it to others. Thanks. Thank you, Graham. That was great. You know, what's so amazing about God is that he's so sovereign. He can even speak through announcements. (laughs) That was your weekly transition joke. (laughs) I'd like to welcome any guests that are here today. Uh, We have a connection card that is attached to the bulletin. We just want to thank you for coming. So if you want to fill that out and then take it to the connection counter in the back. Today after service, we want to give a gift to you from us to thank you for coming. And um, we do do just have a few announcements. Pardon my voice this morning. It's a little bit hoarse. Um, Next week, for all kids' ministry volunteers, that's uh, four years old to sixth grade, there's going to be a luncheon after church to thank everyone for all their hard work. It's appreciation luncheon. And then um, also this announcement about the free household items, just kind of dismiss that announcement. That's actually not happening today. (laughs) Um, And then also for all parents, who are parents out there? Who are parents of youngins? This this is a class for you. Cameron is hosting a parenting class. It's only nine weeks, and it's just an hour, and it's going to have child care for, for the kids. And um, it's really good, I hear. It's called Effective Parenting in a Defective World by Chip Ingram, and it's really helpful and, and really good. I just want to encourage all parents who can make it to that to do it. Um, that's just starting this next Tuesday, and it's running for nine weeks. Um, so that's coming up. Now, we do have on the sign-up spot on the connection card um, two things. We've got a life group leaders meeting coming up in February because we're going to be starting a new slew of life groups uh, starting in March. And, um, you know, this is the time where, you know, life groups that are currently going, some of them stop and then new ones start up, and there are some that just currently go. They um, are constantly doing that. So anyone who's interested in leading a life group for the next one, Um, This next semester, March through August, please sign up on the sign-up spot, which is on your connection card, and turn that in. Um, You know, and this is a good time to just think about and consider whether or not you would like to lead a life group this next summer. Um, It's a lot of fun. It's really, uh, life groups are very encouraging, and they definitely cause a lot of connection. So just consider that. And, you know, there's lots of ideas for life groups. We've had, like, a plethora of amazing life groups. And um, I'm sure there's so many that we haven't had, too, that, you know, could be offered. So just be thinking about that in the next couple weeks. And then um, we also have, uh, you know, sometimes we have a marriage event in February, And this year we're actually uh, partnering with another church, uh, it's Kalamazoo Community Church. They are hosting a Focus on Marriage Day seminar for married couples, and I just, I keep hearing really good things about it. It's um, $70 this Saturday, February 28th. And it's a day where they have a whole bunch of speakers from Focus on the Family. They have Del Tackett and Gary Smalley. Is that his name, Gary Smalley? Yeah, and um, they have a number of of really effective speakers. They are pulling things out of the Bible that will help um, teach on, like, what marriage should look like and then also practical applications to those things. And so I've I've been hearing really good things about it, so I just wanted to offer that to you guys. So that is another thing that you can sign up on the Let's Communicate card for. I'm sorry, the connection card. All right, so that's it for the announcements. All right, let's uh, get ready to take the offering. And will you join with me in prayer? And uh, I just had this while Graham was speaking. I was just thinking, you know, let's prophesy to our finances, you know. And I just keep thinking, you know, 
the economy that we're in right now, and Michigan is really uh, not doing well overall, but those rules just don't apply to us because we have a different economy, and it's God's economy. And um, we just need to declare and prophesy over our situations, over our state even, you know, a different thing, you know, what God has. So let's just do that and join together in prayer as we bless this offering. So, Father, <clears throat> we just prophesy to the finances over this church body, every, over every family, and over the state of Michigan something new, God. We just thank you that you are a God of abundance, that you are a God of blessing, that you are a God of provision and order. And we just declare order over the state of Michigan. We declare uh, and prophesy abundance and just a complete shift from the red to the black in Jesus' name. And I pray, Father, for uh, justice and I pray for mercy over our state. And I, I thank you, Father, that every family here can receive something new from you and a new story. And we just bind fear in Jesus' name. And I pray, Father, for clear thinking and creative ideas. And we just, we just bless our finances today. And we thank you, God, for what you are doing, because what you are doing is good. <laughs> thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, pass that basket. And... um. How many are interested in hearing an update about the Joneses? Yeah, so Borsmans, come on up. Um, the Joneses are uh, Scott and Stephanie Jones. They were the associate pastors here at New Day, and they have traveled to South Carolina and moved their whole family to start a church. And Amy and Dave were just there last weekend. Yeah, it was great. Um, We've been really fortunate. They've had they, they're holding monthly meetings uh, at a at a local uh, elementary school, and then also weekly having meetings at their home. and And they've had four monthly meetings now, and we've been able to make it to three of them. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, and uh, uh, one of the things is as, <clears throat> as Graham was sharing about about prophetic, and I've been thinking about just the the rich heritage that's here uh, in the prophetic, and and that, that there's a lot of folks here who've been who've been trained and are are, are stepping out and in, in that in that gifting, and and it's it's a blessing to this whole body. When when we're there every every week or every month that they do this, they they offer prophetic ministry, and there is such incredible hunger uh, for the people there to receive from God and to hear His voice because they, they they're not they 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 don't have that same background in it that, that we have here and they they'll, they have a sign up sheet every week and and people are are like coming early to make sure that they can get their name on there because because it fills up every time and uh, uh so they they had a list, they had a sign up this time it was full we ended up staying afterwards after you know the they have to lock up the the building so the building's all closed and locked up and we're standing out on the front porch still prophesying for people and people are just waiting around hanging around it's you know it's late and but they're just hungry so we're staying and and praying for them and prophesying and and it's just really, really good. Um, I think there were what we sixty people or something like that. It was a sixty-three people that, that showed up uh, this last week. So that was that was really, really good, really exciting as well. Um, the uh, uh, we've been looking for a building. Uh, we spent some time on Monday uh, uh, visiting some other uh, places and, and looking for a building. We find a, found a place as a new YMCA that's really, really nice. That they're they're trying to see if they can uh, uh, rent that space so everyone could be praying for for favor there. Uh, they had a real positive response. The folks at the Y were like, "Yeah, we'd love to have a church here. That'd be great." And uh, uh, but they don't, they don't know yet how much it's going to cost or things like that. So we can if, if everyone. Could join in, in prayer for that. That'd be really appreciated. Um, 
Beyond that, we also want to announce that, uh, that Amy and I have set a date for when we'll be moving. Uh, we are moving down there uh, basically in one month exactly. Uh, the 15th of February will be our last Sunday here. So it's, uh, it's kind of exciting and hard all at the same time, but... But we're going, so we'd, again, we'd appreciate your prayers as well, uh, again, for just all the details that have to be taken care of between now and then. So I think that's it. Thank you, Amy and Dave. Um, <clears throat> well, we were down there uh, two weekends ago, and we got to go to their weekly core team meeting. They have a group of people that are really faithful, and uh, Seth and I were there with them and were able to do some prayer ministry at the end. But um, there's a couple there that have really dedicated themselves to uh, what Scott and Stephanie are doing. And the the husband of the couple had a dream like two nights before the meeting that they were digging wells. And um, how many of you remember their their event, Dig the Well, in, in the summer? And um, he was like, we were all just digging wells. And, and Scott and Stephanie were like, wow, that's amazing because we had this event called Dig the Well. You weren't even there. You didn't even know about it. And God's speaking to you. And it's like God is really bringing alongside of them people who, you know, God is bringing to them, you know, and they're getting a lot of support. And it's, it's just amazing to see, like, other people connecting with them because we're their family, you know. But it was good because I think for uh, all the other people to see uh, a couple besides Amy and Dave that are from their church that, you know, you know, we are people who know them and, you know, they're legit and love them. And there's a whole church of people that wish they were here and, you know, all that stuff. And I think that was really good. And um, so that was amazing. And it's, it's cool because the YMCA, they're looking at um, the, the people at the Y that they have just built it and they're just opening it. And they were saying last week, you know, we really would love to see a church rent this building. And then Scott walks in and says, we're a church, we want to rent the building. And they're like, we've been waiting for you. And it was like, this could be God. So we just want to pray that the, the price is good, you know. But um, also the Frentaways are moving. Where are, is Amy? Yeah, over here. Um, and they're, this next Saturday, is this next Sunday going to be your last Sunday? Okay, so February 1st. So, yeah, we've got two families leaving the next few weeks. So, and then, you know, just if for just a, a, a general announcement to the whole body, these two families could use a lot of help. So, if you have extra time or any resources to um, bless them as they're moving, that would be appreciated, I'm very sure. So, Adam, come on up. All right. Well, one nice thing. For me, when Cameron is gone, is I get to be the one that gives out the gift of the week, so that is going to be fun. Um, for those of you that don't know, we've been doing something this year where um, every week of the year, all year long, uh, we've been giving out a gift, which has only been a few weeks, so that's why that was supposed to be funny. Um, but anyway, we are again this week giving out another gift, uh, and uh, we are going to select it randomly from those of you that filled out your connection cards from the last two weeks. So uh, there's an encouragement to continue to do that in the future. Um, Lindsay, why don't you come up here and draw a name? We have Chrissy Shook. <laughs> Yay, Chrissy. Congratulations. Here is you are a winner. You have to open it in front of everybody. Oh my gosh. It's a $25 it's a $25 gift card to Meyer. And 
we were just talking about how we've been struggling with groceries. So. <laughs> Well, God is good. This is fun. So, yeah, we're going to continue to give gifts every week of the year. If there's somebody in this congregation that you want to bless, um, go ahead and contact uh, somebody on the church leadership, and we can give your gift out on a Sunday morning. Um, there's also a fund, a, a gift-giving fund that people have contributed to. Um, that's where the church is able to buy the, the gift card. Um, so if you'd like to contribute that way, that'd be awesome. But we're just blessing people be, and uh, and representing how Christ has blessed us with the gift that he's given us. So it's good. All right, so that is it for this week. If you would like prayer for anything, we have a prayer team over here that will